That was one, two, three, go. One, two, three, <laughs> go. It's on. No, do you do it on three or after three? <laughs> I, I do it after three. Okay. But without the go. Oh, okay. So you well, how do ready. you know when to go? I know. <laughs> you go on three. Like, on three uh, or after three? After three. Oh, no. Then you got to say go. One, two, three, go. All right, man. Well, this is Get It Raw, and we're here with one of my favorite fucking people in the world. I had to say favorite fucking people in the world because you are. You know, you're like a brother from another mother to me. Uh, Todd Hanley, you know, he's uh, like the Mary Poppins for music. Is that a good uh, explanation? Is that a good intro? Am I supposed to say something now? Yeah, you're supposed to say a spoonful of sugar, right? (laughs) (laughs) I am not Mary Poppins, no. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) No. You hold a tuba like it's a fucking umbrella. Yes, you you know know it's true. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that. So anyway, uh, we're here with uh, Todd today. We're going to talk. All things Todd, and uh, I'd love to hear, what do you do? Introduce yourself, tell everybody what you do and what you think and where you want to go and what you want to be and where your dreams are and how you failed and why you cry at your sleep, yourself to sleep at night. That's going to be a long story. Well, we have time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Todd, uh, and I am uh, a musician, I'm a mentor. I I do a lot of things. I wear a lot of hats. And um, yeah, so a little bit about me, a little backstory is I grew up here in Fort Myers. Oh, uh, son of a bitch. We didn't want to tell people. <laughs> 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 Fuck. Now they know where we are. <laughs> they may have figured it out with the second podcast. Uh, Technically, <laughs> he said here in Fort Myers, but we're not in Fort Myers. No. I'm not in Fort Myers. Yeah, I don't so. know what the hell you're talking about. In Florida... You well, grew up here in Florida. I didn't say Florida. There could be another Fort Myers somewhere. Oh. <laughs> like, sounds like something you'd find in Texas. Oh. Texas has a lot of forts. Forts, yeah. yeah. that's true. Oh, well, we just... Okay, yeah, we're yeah, in Texas. Yeah, so Fort Myers. <laughs> and uh, uh, went away to school uh, to pursue, pursue music, uh, music education, and came back and am uh, kind of all things music. You know, I'm a performer. I teach. I... Um, manage a music store. I, you know, I'm all things. I'm like the music man. Uh, you are. That's a better analogy. <laughs> I'm like not Mary Poppins. I'm the music man. You are. You like, like, you're like the Pod Piper for like tubas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what kind of what creatures or or follows the tuba as opposed to the piper? Because he 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 led the rats or was it children? Or the children, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In Todd's case, he's like the size of the of the instrument does count. <laughs> so you're probably No, like, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it just means you have to carry something heavier. That's oh, all that's is that like, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You so, got a heavier package. So what you like get rabbits to follow you or something like that? Or no. Elephants. Elephants. I'm yeah. thinking tuba, probably elephants. It, it I just right. I just real it just dawned on me. This whole time I was thinking tuba was the long but no, it's the big. <laughs> yeah, it's the big one. Round one. Yeah, the over trombone the is just like. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. exactly yeah. how it sounds too, right? Like foo foo fra fra. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's exactly what a trombone is like. Tuba is a huge instrument. It's uh, they have different 
instruments in the tuba family. The sousaphone is the marching instrument that you're thinking of okay. with the giant bell and yeah. wraps around the body and it's marching. Okay. I think a Stuart in the Stewie and, and the family guy and he's following this guy. And that's the tuba, the sousaphone. The tuba that I play most is a concert tuba. It sits in my lap and it's giant and yeah and it's the lowest instrument in the wind family okay so of all the the winds it it has the lowest register uh, there the lowest register yeah, yeah that's not quite the way i would normally explain it but that's the way it so is why right don't now. you explain it how you would normally explain it well it plays the lowest notes it's like the okay. double bass so it plays the lowest notes in the in the orchestra I mean come on you of all people know how musically illiterate I am I know Literally. I tried to teach you how to sing one time yeah. <laughs> I, I gave which up which we on do that. not need to recreate now uh, no I, I'm not a no. quitter but I no. quit that one <laughs> that did. was that was one time sitting there at the piano trying to play with Ray yeah raw and you got <laughs> you got very frustrated we were in college. I paid for. Uh, I was taking piano because I wanted to learn how to play the piano. And I asked him to help me like with the notes because I don't. I can't hear the notes. I can't t- discriminate. You know uh, what was the damn thing you were telling me? You were like raw day. Was it? What you, you were trying to just go over the basics? The sil- like do re mi fa do, sol. Re, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever the fuck that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't do it. The, I couldn't. The do sound it. of music. Uh, right. dear? No. And how long did we spend on that before you said, "Listen, you just give up"? I was pretty patient, and I don't think you were. You were a terrible student. You were you were awful. I did my best. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, I did everything I could. <laughs> I did everything you asked me to do. What are you talking Except about? Except practice. I did practice. Practice. I practiced in the shower. I practiced yeah. in the car. Not the right kind of practice. I practiced in bed with the, without <laughs> the girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I was go to yeah. sleep. Shut up. <laughs> well, I was, there was a little bit more rhythm involved. There was like do a deer. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet like, there was some yeah. rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, she said, just get it over with. <laughs> no, so okay. First off, let's explain how we know each other. Um, back in the day, I would go to church, and believe it or not, we're Baptist or former Baptist. Now we're I don't know. Agnostic. Agnostic. Came For me. In. Oh, for you, I'm anarchist. Yeah. Just everything anarchy. Is that a religion? <laughs> That's a religion. <laughs> I didn't yes. think that was a religion. I'm a George Carlin fanatic, so I, I like. I believe up. I pray to Joe Pesci and I worship <laughs> the sun god. <laughs> I think you make that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we were going to church. I was going there for a while, and I guess he was going there for a while, and there was a little hiatus, so I, we hadn't like seen each other. So I'm going to tell them the story that I remember. <laughs> Just so you know, okay? I'll tell the truth when you're done. Oh, yes. Well, we all know that I'm telling the truth. So I go, I go to, I'm um, going up to Sunday school, right? And I'm in this like rec room and there's like a little hockey table. And I'm playing with like, I think it was my brother or maybe another kid. And this guy comes in with a cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, we're like 13 years old and he's got a cup of coffee. I think it was the foosball table, right? No, no, it wasn't foosball. It was a hockey. It was the air hockey. Air hockey. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it was air hockey. Air hockey. And he comes over and trying to be a badass, he goes, that's my game. That's, that's my, that's my uh, paddle. It was, damn it. <laughs> I said, I said, really? He goes, yeah, and I, I didn't, like, I'm not going to let you play. I'm Give the king of the playground, bitch. Right. Now, at that point, he had just put that cup of coffee from that styrofoam cup down on the, on the uh, table, right? 
So I put the paddle down, and, I, and he's like, I didn't say you could play. I said, okay. So I picked up the cup of coffee, and I threw it in his face. Ooh. <laughs> right. Was that hot coffee? It was hot coffee, yeah. <laughs> no shit. It wasn't like scalding hot. I don't have burns to, to okay. prove this story, but it was, as I recall, it was pretty hot. Yeah. And I was like, all right, motherfucker, let's go. <laughs> in church. That's all I remember. <laughs> it almost came to blows in church. In church. And then we've been best friends ever since. Yeah. Now, I can't remember, but I know you were like, motherfucker, why would you throw a cup of coffee in my face? And you were like, I probably you know, cowered. I was, no, it's one of, you know, whenever you stand up to the bully and they kind of cower a little bit, that was, whew, that's the, that's kind of the way I remember it. Okay, so I did tell the truth. Yeah. I just wanted to be Yeah, sure. I think you did. Okay, good. Now we I was trying lockdown. to deflect. Yeah, oh, I see. Yeah. But then, like, ever since then, and I can't even, I don't even know how it went from that to our relationship now, but we had the same friends. And we a just lot of times coming close to blows. Like, True. There, there are times that we were ready to fist fight over a word. Yeah. <laughs> the even meaning now, of a word. Even now, I just want to strangle the fucking shit out yeah. of him, you know? But um that, that sounds like a normal relationship for Ray. It does. Yeah. <laughs> We've absolutely. Been there. Yeah. We no, totally. There. Yeah. <laughs> the people I love the most are the people I really want to kill. And you really it piss off a lot. That's right. <laughs> it goes both ways. Yeah. But you, you know just like pester the shit out of us until we that's are how ready I knew, to kill you. I told you this. That's how I knew my wife was my wife was I, I woke up in the morning and I looked over and I go, Oh man, she's the most beautiful thing in the world. I am the luckiest person in the world. Where would I be if I didn't have her? You know, I'd probably be dead somewhere in a ditch, you know? And I'm, I'm just thinking about how lucky I am. And then I, the next thought was, where could I hide the body? <laughs> oh, God. I was like, that's the woman I'm going to marry. Oh, God. And that's why I called you to get a loan so I could buy the engagement ring. <laughs> I knew right then. That was the moment, huh? That was the moment. That was how I knew. Yeah, murder at first sight. Wow. But I haven't. I don't killed know her yet. that I tell anybody that. I think I'd keep that to myself oh, in the it's future. Out there. It's out <laughs> I, there I don't know because I've heard you explain that or say that before. But I feel mm-hmm. like you explained it differently, like about hiding the body. Whose body are you hiding? Well, I think it's pretty self-evident as I'm looking at my wife. Hers and well, yeah, because I, I look at. I'm trying to explain to people when they say, "How did you know she was the one for you?" And I say something like, "Well." I realize how lucky I am. She's beautiful. Like, I couldn't do any better. And in the same, like, thought, I'm like, all right, we fight a lot. There's a lot of animosity sometimes. I know she wants to try to, like, you know, kill me. She's probably tired of me, you know? Like, who's going to... Come on, really. Women put up with a lot of shit, especially my wife. And so I'm thinking especially to myself... Especially your wife. Especially... <laughs> And well, 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 here's well, one ditto, for you. Ditto, ditto. I know, okay, but ditto. here's one for you. Uh, what do you think she was thinking at this time? I bet she was probably thinking, where could I hide his body? I'm pretty sure she's thought that. And I'm pretty sure she's not waiting until the next morning to think that. I'm pretty sure she thinks like, that when she comes to bed and sees me asleep. Yeah. Every time she sees your face. <laughs> she has told me in the past, I know where you sleep, indicating, you know, you can't hide from me. I think that's normal relationship stuff, though. Well, and that's yeah. the same with us. You know, when we were when we were kids, it was all normal relationship stuff where there's moments where you want to strangle the person and then there's moments of absolute bliss, right? Right. And so it's just the progression of a relationship as long as 
it's just jokes, right? <laughs> as long as you're joking. joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, from your experiences, you know, before, you know, the people you love and the people that you hold in that inner circle are probably the same people that you, you know, you, you go through a lot of shit with, you know, and you don't put your shit on other people. You don't take shit out on other people that you don't know, but you take it out on the people you love. Wouldn't you yeah. agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel the same way about you sometimes. Yeah. Where can I hide your body? <laughs> oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> wink, wink. You can't see that, but wink, wink. I'm joking. <laughs> but anyway, that's how we became, you know, best friends. And we had a circle of friends, which, you know, everybody that listens to this podcast will come to know eventually. And I'm sorry for that. But uh, <laughs> they're a great group of, group of guys. And they're like my brothers. And... And he grew up with me, you know, we've talked before. I grew up on this other side of the tracks. I had a, a father who wasn't around and was uh, doing God knows what. And I had a mother who was like bona fide crazy, like Sybil, right? And I'm trying to help take care of my brothers. Well, these guys are the ones that I depended on, you know. Whenever there was something going down, you know, I could, I could call them up and know that like within a, you know, within a minute, they'd be there for me. So this is like... You know, if yeah, he's like you know, like my best friend. So, well, you are my best friend. <laughs> like, well, like my best friend. <laughs> there aren't many of us. There's yeah, only a right. few that can stand right. your ass. As my as my kid would say, I like like you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but wouldn't you say from like your experience as an educator, because you you do a lot. You have a like you said before. You wear a lot of different hats. You um. You run a music store. You manage employees. You deal with the financials. You put in bids to like school systems and other other enterprises to like you know run contracts with your music business. You're repairing instruments as well. You also are a performer. You perform in a number of different groups, I believe. You also educate and teach you know music to uh, to children as well as well as adults. Um, at the same time, you've You've got a whole bunch of different hats, but as your perspective and, and your, hopefully your your eventual wife, if you're hearing this, I hope he's getting the ring. But um, she's also an educator. Don't jinx me. She's also a Ooh. musical educator. Yeah. And so, from your perspective as an educator, what, what, uh, how does that role of like you know, uh, anger and like um, what we just talked about that that abuse, uh plays into the, a child or a person's relationship with you when they're learning. Are you talking like about your experience or <laughs> or my my experience that you say abuse like verbal or Well, I felt or... like you abused me pretty heavily when you were teaching me how to sing. Yeah, well, you deserve that. And you were, you were not terrible. successful. Oh. No, I think I think um, education and, and in particular music education is really important. Same as sports, it's got a lot of the similarities to what what people learn in sports, the discipline, the teamwork and all of that. And, um, it has a lot of those things that students can learn, um, teaching you how to practice and things that you have to really work on to be good. And it has, it carries on into life, you know, these life skills that we're trying to teach kids and how to manage anger is one of them. We get really frustrated, like, when you were singing and you weren't any good at it, it gets really frustrating. How dare you? 
But but it also takes resiliency, and it takes you working at something. They say 10,000 hours until you're great at something, right? And you have to be willing to put that time in. And so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that we can learn through music, but also uh, have to be willing to, to teach and understand it and see those things in ourselves a lot of times, too. So, like, when you're approaching a new client, like a... And let's just stay with the education from this perspective. When you're approaching a new client to teach them any type of musical instrument, what is uh, your approach? How do you go about that to build that relationship and to uh, develop the attributes? I'm here to encourage, you know, and and it's like parenting. It's like anything else. If you're teaching or, or trying to educate somebody on diet, on anything, you're there to encourage them and uh, encourage them to do those things, the importance of practice, the importance of following through with it, you know, and um, I think everything that we deal with in life has these similarities that we just need to be willing to see, you know, the discipline to cook your food all the time. I've been struggling with food recently, so it's something that is on my mind a lot, but that discipline and the willingness to take the time and energy to do it um, is really important. Why is that a struggle? Why is it difficult to cook your food? Because you're just so from a time standpoint. Yeah, just from a time standpoint. I it, there's a lot of things that consume your time in adulthood. I I often say adulting sucks. You Ooh, know, adulting does fucking suck. It I don't sucks. think there's adult out there that says. Oh, it's great to be an adult. No, they're, it's they're adulting dumb. sucks. And yeah. so especially having uh, my own business and playing and having to get my name out there and uh, advertise, I've got to play in a lot of groups. I've got, um, you know, to stay in touch with my teaching and remembering why I'm doing this in the first place is to um, pursue music education. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it takes a lot of time. And when you when you prep and you have to cook and you're getting home at ten o'clock at night, it's tough. It's hard to hard to do. It's a lot easier to go through the drive through and get yeah. French fries and hamburger than it is to make a decent meal at home. You're in the rat race. But I don't know if I would say that when you were teaching me you were very encouraging because I'm pretty sure there was a couple of times you told me there was no crying in music. You have no idea how encouraging I was. Think about this, and I think you forget this sometimes. Even I put though, in the 10,000 hours. Even though you may some. not have become a professional singer, uh, why were you wanting to sing in the first place? Oh, no, I'm just always interested in different things. And, but you, at this time, you were into theater, right? No, and no, no, that was, be, I was... No, I was, this was in theater, and you were doing this box theater in school when we were in college... And you wanted to sing because a lot of that or how to project your voice, you had a goal in mind. You wanted it. Yeah, to I was, yeah, you're right. I was about to graduate. Go into a different. Into, yeah. And so and so you had this goal in mind. And at this point, singing and learning how to sing. Of course, I was encouraging. Yeah, go sing. Go do even if you're terrible. Go oh. do it. Put yourself out there. Well, just to make you feel better, I have tried just because I'm a curious person. And whenever like there's something always want to expand my knowledge base and I always want to understand something. And if something, if I'm not very good at something, I do want to get better. I don't need to be the best at everything. No, that's not true. I want to be the best at everything. Ooh. But I did move on from you and tried to get lessons from other people. And they too said, you probably should quit. <laughs> 
I, I took it. I took it as if you know, instead of like there might be a commonality, maybe I yeah. shouldn't sing. I took it as if you were all wrong, you know. But you know, it is what it is. It's not. It's not wrong. But sometimes we have to be willing to understand that maybe that's not our calling. Maybe that's not where we need to oh, be. Oh no, I'm terrible. But, but you know, there's something maybe an instrument would be good for you. Maybe I'm, playing I'm guitar. Or maybe because you don't, aren't willing to practice. No, I'm willing to put in the time. We've talked about this, you know. He, you know, I, I'm terrible when it comes to music. I, you know, you are, um, and I. It, it always makes me wonder why. Why are you so terrible? I mean, you admit that you're terrible. You're convinced that you're terrible, and I wonder is that part of it? Oh, Do you right. believe so heavily that you can't be good at music, or that you're terrible at music? That you can sit there and stumble, or not be able to identify or hear when I say, "Hey, do you hear the bass guitar in this? Do you hear the guitar or the drums on this track?" And you're like, "No, I really just can't hear any of it. I'm so terrible." It's like, how do you <laughs> not hear the fucking drums? It's the drums. Yeah, they're very unique. I could understand maybe if you don't, if you can't tell apart uh, a trombone from a trumpet. Okay, mm. they're similar. Should be identifiable, but <laughs> the drums, like you can't tell, you can't hit, hear the drum beat, the, the difference, the different, in, like when you look back there, you got the cymbals, you've got the bass drum, you got the toms and the hi-hat. I mean, they all make a different sound, but when you put them all together, they make a beat. And that, that's what I, that's what I don't know. I'm like, how do you not, how do you not hear it? Yeah, I don't, I mean like, you know, this is a good conversation because I think there's, hopefully there's people out there that are fucked up like I am. I am I a don't think that's true. Um, by myself, <laughs> I don't think. No, I don't think that's true. <laughs> oh, Not what I meant, but yeah, it's right. a lonely <laughs> island, it is, uh, yeah, and with no music. <laughs> well, right. we said this earlier. I'm a literal person. I don't like assumptions. I want to understand things. And as you know, you know this too. But I need to know the why and the how. I like the like minutia, the the details. And so when you're telling me about, like, for instance, when I asked, what was the difference between rock and metal? And you're trying to explain about the instruments, and and I'm trying to understand, well, why is that different? Like, I don't understand why metal is different from rock, and then you tell me that, you know, well, it's the instrumentation, they're not well, so I would have probably, I, I, I don't know Well, we talked about, what about rap? was your question. The difference you between, asked me the difference between pop and right. something else, or you asked me, what is pop music? Right. And, you know, if you were asking what's the difference between rock and metal, I would start the explanation with, well, metal is rock. It is a form of rock and roll, but rock music is more of an, is more of a larger term for a genre of just, of, of, of styles, a mixture of styles. Metal so what being is the difference with that style? That's what I want to know. Like pop music, well, you've explained it before and it was successful. We're talking about oh, it's just poppy, and you you explain it through the instruments when rock well, I, is yeah. I said pop music is is a little bit catchy and a little bit loopy, and you have somebody singing a song that you know just like just is popular, gains popular traction by by either stimulating a popular interest or something. And whereas, you know, when I'm listening to something like I don't I don't want that I don't enjoy that much of the pop. 
Um, I want something that's a little bit more heavier, maybe a little bit more edgy. And when I listen, I am listening to the guitar solos and or the guitar riffs and choruses. What are they doing? What's the bass guitar doing? Is the bass just following the guitar the whole time? Because that's boring. Um, As a bass player myself, I want to have I want him to have his own groove that he's doing while the guitars do their thing. And I really enjoy the drums. I love listening to good drums, which is um, can be kind of hard to find because it's too easy, again, for the bass and the drums to just hit a simple rhythm that just kind of goes. And I feel like that's probably a pretty common thing in pop music is it just kind of yeah, see, goes. Yeah, that's, that's the explanation that you, that you used before where you were saying, you know, you're not going to listen to, you're not going to hear the drums and you're not going to hear somebody riff on the guitar during a pop song. You're gonna hear the focus is mostly. I think on you can, you might, though. Yeah. yeah, I think you can. I think there's well, like it's like everything in in this world is there's gray area, right? And you have yeah. a category, you have all these yeah. categories, and then you have subcategories that are going down, and aver- eventually they meet and that's, they merge. And that's my question is because you know you hear people, oh, it's too poppy. I'm like, well, what makes it poppy? I don't understand that. And the, the, the thing that you're getting caught up in the minutia. I'm getting yeah, caught yeah. up and in that's, the detail. that's where we that's where the whole that's that's when it's like start pulling your hair out because it's right. I can't explain this to yeah. you. <laughs> right. Well, I'll never be able to right. explain but it. I, to I you. can't I can't tell you like I, I just don't know the difference. Well, so and you that was guys the like, frustration and people act like they know the difference. But that was the frustration trying to teach you is you want to know, well, why can't I do this? Well, there's a hundred different reasons why you can't do it. Uh, I could start telling you, but you're just going to now go down this other rabbit hole. Sometimes you just have to shut up and do it, oh, right? But, but I couldn't. You just have to. I couldn't. I could Because when you like say, why can't you hear the drums? I, I'm not listening to the song to listen to the drums. I prefer to listen to the lyrics. I like the uh, meaning of the, uh, the, the song. So at that, what that point, song that's, that's, well, you listen to the, the lyrics, voice. that's fine. But if, we were to, if, we're ha- if we're saying, okay, well, let's stop. Stop listening to the lyrics and break it down a and listen bit. to the drums. Yeah. Let your ear and mind pick out that instrument that we're talking about or trying to hear. And that's probably where it is. I don't spend enough time doing it. Like yesterday, you know, just as a point of reference, I was telling my kids, let's listen to some history. Tupac Shakur. <laughs> <laughs> Put on some Tupac, right? And you, you know, you're listening to the lyrics and the words. And, and damn it, that motherfucker was a poet. And that touches me. Like, I relate to it. It touches me, how he spoke about his mother through music. I'm not paying attention to the other portion of the song. And see, I'm and totally different with that. I, I could not recite a, a lyric correctly to any song, except mm-hmm. maybe Gangsta's Paradise. Because <laughs> I learned that in, like, eighth grade, and it's stuck in my mind. But I, I don't... The lyrics just don't get me i'm more of the rhythm and the feel and the groove and i it i want to move to it i want to there's you know different things i pick up different styles of the music well, and hey, maybe man. that's where some of the difference is is you you want to hear the story you yeah. want to hear why the song is being written and to me it's more the the feel and the the groove which i think tells a story too i sure. think it, it can it's all kind of part of the collective story. It's all I think you two that. just made a breakthrough in my psyche. Yeah. No, no. Just, just a different way of, of like looking at the yeah, song of course. or music and paying attention. So yeah, I mean, you know, and from your standpoint, I can't tell if they're picking or slapping or, 
uh, strumming or whatever the fuck they're doing. But I can tell you that I enjoy it. Like mm-hmm. when I told you, hey man, like let's listen to this uh, uh, song by Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler did on one of his stand-ups to mm-hmm. that you know that he dedicated to Chris Farley. That was fucking awesome. And you were like, yeah, it's not a bad like. Yeah, he did pretty good. It's pretty basic. And well, it was like, well, sure, it's basic. But yeah. I thought it was fucking. Yeah, like, you said it was awesome, but did I you it was mean awesome. it? You, I think what you said was, man, he's so good. Yeah, I thought he and was I great. And I said, yeah. It's a good song. It's good for it's good material. It's it's you know obviously touching into his friend, but as far as the the musical talent goes, it's pretty basic. Like he's right. not doing anything greatly technical or out out you know crazy. He's just strumming and, and then, singing. And but then sometimes what did you do? that's the creative. Point. Yeah, sometimes that's the point, right? You and that's where you have these different feels and different grooves, like uh, an acoustic version of a song mm-hmm. or a, a, an electric version of a song. They have different feelings, and um, so yeah, it's all I, personal. It's so such I thought a Sandler did a thing. great job. I'm like, man, why isn't he doing more music? Because I do appreciate his music. I'm like, man, I well, know it's like Weird Al, right? Yeah, it's, it's like Weird Al. I well, mean, but Sandler, Sandler has meaning with some of these things, and that's probably the difference. You know, you're talking about. I'm like, man, he did a fucking great job because after we talked about it, you played a video of a guy strumming on the street playing the guitar, and you're like, that guy did a. That was that was incredible. It was a bass guitar. That was a bass guitar. You yeah. were like, you were like, that was a great job that he yeah. did. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's all right, but I think I think goes back to what we're talking about though. I am probably taking more value in Adam's meaning and Adam's mm-hmm. approach that it's about his friend that he's dedicated to, and I'm probably listening to those lyrics and thinking to myself, "Damn, that's fucking awesome," as opposed to his you know musical skills on the guitar. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to play and sing is kind of hard. And to create or to write it is even is, you know, adds to the trifold of the of the of making a song or singing a song. And he wrote it. He created it. So he's using his own brain and creativity to then put it into an audible uh, thing uh, and or something enjoyable like a song. So he had to create the lyrics, sing the song while playing the guitar, which he wrote the guitar part, too. And it didn't, and like I said, it wasn't a difficult thing to to play or to do, but it was he put it all together in a way that was listenable and enjoyable and meant something to to you and others. Yeah, I love his I love his songs. You know, the one from Blended. I love the uh, who's this? Who's the Adam Sandler? Adam oh, Sandler. Adam. Which he's got album. He's got an album or multiple albums, but he's playing. got multiple songs. on Love his Hanukkah song. Eight crazy nights. Well, some of it's just the creativity of it, right? And well, it, it yeah. could have very minimal musical value, but just the creativity, I think this is to your point, Joe, that it's the it's the creativity side of it from start. Like, he made this from the very beginning, and mm-hmm. he created this all the way across, and now it's, it's a really cool thing to listen to, and yeah. people can get different value from it. I have all his songs on my podcast. I mean, on, on my podcast. <laughs> on my iPhone, so I listened to it. the the song the, from Grown Ups. He wrote a song and he dedicated it to his father, and it was, and I'm and I, I'm sure that you know most people are like a song to his father. They probably don't even realize it. It was an awesome like song that he wrote about his dad and growing up with his dad and how much his dad means to him, and and I think that's where I probably that's probably mm-hmm. why I can't hear. The drums. You're listening you know. to something else. Yeah, I'm listening to something which else. Which is okay. That's that's yeah. It's that's fine. The question is, is that the black, the gray, or the white? 
doesn't I don't want to be just I don't want to be in the white. It doesn't matter. Long. I mean, <laughs> I, th- I think you have to be kind of all the time, right? You're kind yeah. of going in between things and and you're developing your own style. You're as you age and grow and mature and hopefully oh, mature. <laughs> in your case, not so much. I don't know, man. I feel like we're still kids. But we're talking, you, you know, we're way? talking. Yeah, I do. But we're, we're talking about music. But all of this stuff applies to sports. It applies to work. It applies to everything that you do. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. And uh, and you weren't willing to do that musically. <laughs> no, I, 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 <laughs> motherfucker, I, I practiced. I practiced. I did. I just, it's hard for my brain. If I don't know the why or the how, it's hard for me to wrap around. And when yeah. I don't know that, that's where, and, and you've experienced this too, at like different parts in our relationship. If I don't know the why and the how, I don't, I don't understand it. And if I don't understand it, I can't get past that part. Yeah, you, you, you put your, your wall blockers go my, up. My brain you stops. You can't get around. It's like, just, just forget about the why or how and just, yeah. just let it be. It. Yeah. But, but I can't. Do I, you I'm do like, that I'm like, with tennis? Do you I, break yeah. down your tennis swing? I do, that, do you I sit do there? Are you the one? And this is okay. I'm I'm all for this. Like you videotape your tennis swing and make sure that the angles are right. Are you are you that analytical with tennis? I've never done it like that. I don't know if I'm that analytical. Why do you expect it from music then? I don't. It's well, a natural I mean, thing. I mean, tennis. Your tennis swing is a natural thing. I think I apply it to things that I don't know or I don't haven't experienced. And, I'm, and in order to like learn it, yeah, in order to learn it, I need to break it down because otherwise it's hard for me. I did this in, in PT school, and I can't tell you how many times I got in trouble in PT school for doing this, you know, asking the why, asking the how. I mean, they were ready to kick me out because, yeah. you know, I've, I, I probably <laughs> I told that I can totally story. see that. Oh, I yeah. could totally understand they, that. They would they ask were... a question. I would answer the question. They would say, eh, and they'd answer the question, and then I'd have classmates that are like, isn't that exactly what you said? I'm like, yeah, but in a more detailed manner. And like the, uh, the professors used to say to me, you're focused on the dinghy. Focus on the, the boat. I'm like, the, the big picture. I'm like, I see the fucking big picture, but I want to know why the dinghy is sinking behind the boat. You know, I, I, I just need to know that from my own uh, education or growth, I guess you could say. Or because you have to be challenging Maybe that's another. Maybe that's another thing. <laughs> you're over there shaking your head. You're like, I'm fucking done. <laughs> God yeah. bless you for sticking in this long, man. You could say it's for educational purposes, but sometimes it's just you being a jerk. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't think of myself being challenging all the time. And I, I tell you, the, another reason why I hate assumptions is that I've been have been in positions where I'm talking to a physician. And I'll use medical jargon, and because at that point it's easier just to communicate, right? And that physician will think that you're challenging them, or that you are a challenging person. And at that point, you're like, "Well, should I not assume? Should I assume that you're layman's and and, feel, and make you feel like I'm almost talking down to you?" I mean, I don't understand where the medium is, and I think part of that's like reading your audience and knowing who you're speaking to. But even still, like. You know, you find that with people, and you don't mean to be challenging. That's not the intention. No, I. But yeah, it comes of off that way. Yeah, it comes off that way. It's it how does. It, it sounds. Yeah. So with my maturation, what I've learned lately, now that I'm getting closer to the forties, 
is I let people just come to me. Closer to the 40s. You're like right on that crap. <laughs> I'm right around the corner. But no, I, I let people come to me and I, I do more of like a, a question. I'll just more or less ask a question or I'll put out options. It doesn't, and like you said, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And uh, I don't, and if I tell somebody like options, it's not like you have to do it this way or this way or that way. It, it's easy. I, I find that it's easier to digest and let that person make up their own well, mind. Well, they're making their own mind up. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're learning how to deal with people and you're 40. Good job. Ryan. I will give you, Good I job. will give you an example though of asking people questions like, Hey, what would you do in this scenario? What would yeah. you do in this scenario? So I'm asking multiple people and then, the, and then one person gets mad at me because I asked them and they're like, why don't you just do what I told you to do? And so it's very difficult to, to appease everybody. But uh, again, I think that goes back to reading your audience and you know doing. Well, what you, you know, you say one person. I've seen multiple people. I've seen you ask <laughs> ask for opinions from multiple people. Well, that's what I meant. Asking and, from a group of people. But and, I don't know. It's necessarily like that. You don't take the advice or the opinion and run with it, or turn around and use that. But just even at the conversation itself, mm-hmm. I've seen you talk with somebody, ask for their input. And then you almost start to refute their input, like mm-hmm. right to their face. And they're like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? Why, why, are you, why are you turning it almost into like a, a soft argument about what they thought? And you're like rejecting their, their input, like, oh, but this, but that, but, but, but. And then it turns them off. I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. Multiple people. Uh, and, and it's like, well... That's Ray. And then I got to, you know, then I've got, you know, then I'm left with, yeah, no, that's friend. Yeah. She's a friend. Okay. You work together? Yep. Yep. Why? <laughs> like you said, how? Why? How? <laughs> yeah, just... But you know what happens? You know, it's not, I don't do that with the intent to argue with that person. It's kind of like um, when somebody says, when you ask somebody, uh, you know, how do I swing a racket? And they mm-hmm. say, do it this way. And you say, well, if I do it that way, wouldn't I also hit it into the net? You know, when they say go low to high, you do the C. So drop your racket, your racket face down and go from low to high so you can get some topspin. If you don't know what topspin is and you don't know that technique and, you're, and, you're, and you've tried that before, you might say to them and say, but wouldn't I hit that into the net? How can I do that and not get and not into net? And then that person gets upset and says, "Just go low to high," and you're like, "Wait a second, that doesn't help." Yeah, but or, you understand that, right? You're asking this person their opinion, and then you're refuting their opinion. And I mean, they should to, be able to explain it. You go low to high because you're going to go low, catch the ball, and come high to lift that ball up while getting spent. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that, that's if you're hitting it. If you're hitting the ball. Depending on your grip, and that's if you're hitting that ball with topspin. But if you're hitting a flat ball, if you're hitting it flat, you're not necessarily gonna hit it over. Or if you hit it with backspin, you might be able to get some lift. But I mean, you're not you're not talking about a backspin or a flat. Like if your well, racket head is angled down and you're hitting from low to high, you're you're putting the topspin on it, and you are gonna lift and put it over, up and over with the topspin. If you're trying to talk about a hit a flat shot, that's kind of a different shot that they're either explaining wrong. If I Okay, so here's a better example. I ran track, and a question that my coaches would often give me, because I was, I was fast enough to do the you know, middle distance, the 800 and the 400, 
And I always wanted to like be faster in that last 150 meters. And a question I would say is, how do I get faster? And my coach would say, you got to have a stronger kick. Okay, now that's layman's terms. That's coming from a coach who is going, is, who's coaching, you know, one of their runners, not just somebody off the street. Okay, got to have a stronger kick. Okay, what does that mean? They don't tell me what that meant. They told me that for like two to three years. You got to have a stronger kick. Kick stronger at the last 100 meters. Okay, so do I, what do you mean, kick my leg back? Whatever. So then you do it. And then as I learned biomechanics, I learned, no, 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 no. Get off your heel. Get onto, not on your toes. Don't run on your toes because you can hurt yourself that way. Get on the ball of your foot. Don't just plantar flex the foot. Spring off the foot. So you see, that's the minutia. And as Mm. a kid, I'm like, what does that mean? So I have no idea what the coach was talking about. You're talking about high school age or? Yeah, it was high school. Okay. And I'm just saying that like at that time, I have somebody giving me some information. Yeah. So if I'm talking to somebody now and they said, and I said, how can I get faster? And they said to me, well, lean into it and use your kick at the last hundred meters. Then I could say to them, what do you mean by a kick? Now, at that point, if they're not willing or if they don't even understand how to break that down, that might come off as challenging. If they say run your toes, and then I said, well, if I run on my toes, doesn't that, wouldn't that eventually like hurt my toes? Would it be better to come off the, to use the ball of my foot? Now, you can see why they would say that is challenging mm-hmm. and that you're refuting them. Yes, yeah, but so you're, you're not necessarily question their every step. And but you're not like refuting They should be able to, to, okay, can you tell me what kick means? What do you mean by more kick? Okay, then they say this and that. And then you say, okay, but this. And they say, okay, well, not just that, but then add another little tweak to it and add the spring every each step. And at that point, when they get to the final thing, when, they, when they've told you everything that they know, and you still say, yeah, but... Well, no, I think no. that's the I think that's where the annoying part comes in, right? Is is uh, I don't have an answer for you, and right. you're still asking questions, right? And and it's it's comes down to being able to admit that, or that's right. or or having the ability to go, I I don't know, that's right. And and that's I I've learned that through my teaching with students is I expect them to have a base of knowledge. This right. is my expectation. If they don't have that base of knowledge, I'm like. What do you mean you don't know that? Right. What do you mean you don't know what an embouchure is or what dynamics or what all these different things that I know? Now it's my job to teach you this. And and not and rather than getting frustrated and getting upset with you, and this is kind of some of our arguments have come to blows because I haven't understood this. This some students just need to have that right. they description. Don't know. They need to know more about it. Right. And uh, and so a lot of it is failure as an educator. And we have to realize and and we are all educators. You as a parent are educating. Well, even as a physical therapist, we talk about this all the time. We're very quick when we're failing. I did this not too long, not too long ago with a patient. We're very quick that when a patient's not doing well or they're starting to plateau or even digress, we're very quick to say that patient's crazy or there's something wrong with that patient. Not, they're not, not doing what we told them. They're not they're doing not what doing. Yeah. Not, not that it's us, but it's them, right? And in that case, I had to step aside and say, what is this person telling me that I am missing? They're telling me all this other stuff, and I'm thinking it's them and not me. And I go, oh, 
They're telling me what's going on. So I'll try this way. Even though it's unconventional, it's out of the box, you don't see it with most patients, you know, and most patients would get just as frustrated. I mean, most PTs would get just as frustrated with this patient. I go outside of that box, start treating that, that patient because that's what they're telling me, and all of a sudden they start to succeed and they're feeling better. And I say to myself, that was not them. But how many people do that? We do it all the time. We're yeah, saying that that's a challenging me. patient. Yeah. That's the patient's fault. No, it was my fault for not understanding what that patient was going through and what that patient was trying to tell me. And that patient was trying to give me or, or trying to get detail from me that I was not able to give. And it goes back to what you said. When I'm talking to somebody like that and they're not, they're not willing to say, you know, I don't know how to explain it to you in a way that you understand it or I don't know what you're asking or I don't know. I, do, I just don't know. Then now, now at that point, I'm even more skeptical and I'm less likely to look for their, their opinion. And I'm more frustrated because they didn't take the time to understand what, what I'm missing from them. Are you, do, you, um, do you feel there's times that you know the answer, but you can't put it into words at that time? When I'm talking to a person yeah. about explaining them, like or, something or when that I'm asking you know, a question, something that you know deeply about physical therapy, okay, or or uh, you know diet or whatever, something you know a lot of, about, but this person just doesn't understand it the way you're putting it. That's not a failure on you. That just means you haven't thought of a way to connect that. It's a with miscommunication, this right? Right. No, right. or just the inability to kind of make that connection right now. Maybe you need to go home and think about it from their perspective right. for 15 minutes right. and try and put yourself in their shoes. What have they been experiencing all this time and how can I relate it? To go back to what he had said though, when that he's witnessed with other people, it's I have an idea. Or, you know, in our job there is a lot of theoretical concepts. There's a lot of stuff that you and I do that nobody else does in the clinic or probably elsewhere. You know, we're combating a condition like somebody with stenosis, structural lumbar stenosis. How many people are told to stretch? They're told to stretch all the time. And then you say, all right, does that work? Yeah, it works for a little bit. Well, you got to do it every day for the rest of your life for the next 50 years. <laughs> and you say... Really? That's the answer? Well, that's the best answer we got at this point in time. So you and I have gone outside of the box and say, well, what causes sarcomere genesis? And, and this is just for the purpose. How do we increase mob mobility so they're less likely to suffer from stenosis? So we do things that are radically different, and we try to explain those things. Now, I have an idea. I understand the concept. I ask a fellow clinician their perspective, Okay because I'm trying to understand the topic a little bit better. And when they tell me their perspective, a lot of times it's just basic knowledge. And then if I ask a question on top of that to follow with that, it's not because I'm trying to challenge them. It's not because I'm trying to be difficult. It's, it's for me to better understand their perspective. And a lot of times those individuals that get upset like that, they don't understand that perspective themselves. They don't. How many of the clinicians under, don't even understand that stretching doesn't actually cause sarcomere genesis. It does two things. Two things that the literature have shown to be true. It increases range of motion, not because it increases the tissue, the length of the tissue, but because it desensitizes the person to pain. So they're able to stretch further. Okay? That's it. But it's not permanent. If that problem comes back after a couple of hours or a few hours or the next day. The other thing that it does is, is it helps calm down inflammation. That's it. 
So if you're asking a muscle or a ligament or a tendon or a capsule to physically alter, to anatomically adapt from 5 centimeters to 10 centimeters, stretching will not do that. Now, how many of our, of our fellow clinicians know that or are even willing to admit that or, to take it a step further, are willing to go the extra mile and look it up to see whether or not the research has actually shown that to be the case or that it doesn't do that? They don't. So when I ask that question on top of that question, a lot of times they don't know. And at that point, they're getting defensive from my perspective. But isn't it, isn't stretching a part of the solution? It may not be the silver bullet, but isn't it part of the solution? Can't mm -hmm. it help? I mean, it, it's probably a combination of strength training and, and isolating muscles. And I don't even know what it is you're mentioning, but That's isn't it kind of an all, all encompassing thing? We you've got to have the cardio. You've got to get up and move. Do you? Do, Do you've, you, I mean, shouldn't you? That, that, Doesn't it seem like that makes but, sense? But that's the problem, Todd, is that we don't exactly know, but we try to play it out as if we do know that. Do you understand that? You know that it doesn't hurt, though, right? Well, no, it can in some cases. If, if you're doing high-impact No, no, stuff, it, it can in some situations, and especially when you're dealing with somebody with chronic pain. Mm -hmm. You know, the last thing you want to do is bullshit them. You know, people want to be transparent. The problem is we don't know. And instead of admitting that we don't know. But there is or, some, you got to know something, you right? You did say, you told that we know, you said we know it does two things. Right. One of them was reduce inflammation. But how many clinics, know, how many clinicians know it does those two things as opposed to elongate the tissue? They're taught that that, that it elongates the tissue and increases their range of motion, and therefore will allow them to be more flexible. How many, how many of the clinicians know that that's not necessarily true and know that what it does is it desensitizes you for a short period of time by inhibiting the mechanoreceptors of that joint and tissue, and, which is temporary, and resolves or, or helps calm down inflammation? How many of them know that versus, no, that's, if you want to create more range of motion, you got to stretch? I don't know how many of them know or would... would I think that a, a number of them do know they do. They are aware of that. Um, there's, I'm sure a number that also don't or are either misinformed or not up to date or followed it. But I still think that they, even the ones that know, even myself included will say, okay, I still, you know, this patient's in pain, they're immobile. They can't hardly move right now. We're going to start off with just a little bit of stretching to get a temporary relief that get a temporary increase in range of motion so that they can then turn around and move and do something else that is going to have a more long-term effect on them. Because if they can't move to do anything then or can't move to do something that is going to stimulate the sarco sarcomeogenesis, then they're not going to be able to do what, what ultimately is going to help them longer in a longer term. So I think a lot of therapists do still utilize stretching, static stretching, in a in it for pain relief and increased mobility in a in a time span that they could then combine it with, hopefully combine it with something else that is going to stimulate muscle growth and muscle true muscle lengthening. And so the stretching creating more mobility, we don't even know if that's necessarily necessarily the case. There's some research, very good research, that are being done right now in this very topic that's investigating. And what they find, if you want to increase mobility and desensitize the person and all that, and you're looking for the best 
bang for your buck, especially in our setting where we only get so much time with the patient, it's really just movement. Movement mm-hmm. will actually cause more tissue elongation, sarcomere genesis, calming down inflammation, allowing for that mobility to occur. This is so, kind of a, this is out of my realm. I don't yeah, know mm-hmm. much about this, but I, I, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about because in music, there are a lot of teachers that don't know why it's important to play scales. They can't tell you why you should play scales, uh, but they know that scales are important. And they know that if you do this, this will make you better. It could be any number of reasons. Either you're playing the instrument more or the instruments on your face or whatever, um, or the technique and music is comprised of scales and blah, 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 all this stuff. But they know that scales are important. They know that this area is important, and that's why they encourage you to practice it. So you can't expect them to be able to justify all the time necessarily. But knowing that this is important, is part of the growth and just sometimes just getting the horn on your face, sometimes just stretching, getting the body moving. But again, is a start to what our eventual goal is. Perhaps, right? perhaps, but is it necessary? This is a very good question that we have to ask and we have to criticize and critically appraise. Yeah. But until you have the, until you have the answer, that doesn't mean you stop trying. No, but it means you can move on. And that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I ask that question, and I ask another question because I'm looking for perspective. And I'll ask multiple people that question because I'm looking for variances in that perspective. And a lot of times it's just the same old perspective. And it's perspective not because not from them. It's perspective of what they learned it's in because school. Because it's the way they were taught, right? right. It's just what is. they learned, yeah. Yeah, it just is. You know, now I got a question. What's the scale? I was sitting here smiling. You probably saw me smiling. I was going to yeah. stop you and say, now, do you think Ray knows what a scale is? <laughs> <laughs> do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. That's a scale? That's, I mean, that's a, a scale is a series of notes comprised in a, an order. So there's different types of scales depending on which note you start. It, I mean, it, you can really dig into the minutia of a scale. You have right, major So there's multiple scales. scales, but... Major scales, minor scales, depending on where you start on the keyboard. But that makes a lot of sense why wouldn't you want to like educate the client on some on learning scales and playing the different scales because what does that do if anything it's going to at least increase their um range perhaps or their understanding of there's the a range lot of reasons i mean it depends right. a scale it's like fundamentals right it's like you can't run before you walk kind of thing and right. and sometimes the stretching that's what i'm equating this to is i can't walk yet but maybe just bending over and touching my toes a little bit but that can might get me moving to where I can. But that that's, get that's where the false equivalency may lie: is that you have to stretch before you can go. Well, no. we know we now know that babies don't have to crawl or creep before walking. But that was the that was the case for decades, where the child has to do this first, and then has to do this first. They have to do it in sequence in order to be a successful yeah. adult. Yeah, not true. But it, you know, when that when people first came out and said, "Do they have to do that?" All of a sudden, they're the challenging ones. They're the ones being difficult. Why? Because they're not, they're not pandering to that dogma that you're taught that it has to be this way. So if, if stretching is a very useful tool. I'm not saying it's not. But what I'm saying is it's not for the reasons in which we're telling people or that, we're even, that we may eat so ourselves understand. Well, I think that's an issue with, profession, then, with the profession. Then. That's right. And... and having that ability to, I don't really know why we're doing this, but this is our end goal and this can be a start. 
and having the ability to say say that and say we have a goal in mind we're going to try a lot of different ways to get to that goal uh stretching can be a part of it and then list and tell and i think that's the transparency right yeah having transparency and being able to say i don't know what's going to work for you yet we're all individuals we're all different we all learn differently and maybe I can walk before I crawl. Maybe right. I, maybe I can. Do but this goes back different. to that perfect segue where we can go into diet. You understand a little bit about nutrition. Yeah, you've gone through uh, through it in yourself in your lifetime. But how many people are told time and time and time again that you have to have a high carbohydrate diet? You need a plant strong diet. I'm going to stop you real quick because I need to step out. This coffee is running through. <laughs> Do whatever you want while I'm gone, but right. I, I will be right back. We, we're going to probably talk. I'm going to talk a lot of shit about you now that yeah, I know how you yeah. feel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, so like you're told time and time. Well, I want to save that for when he comes back. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, let's go back to where you are in one of your mini hats. How is the business going? Your endeavor. I know you... you you look, you look at the big picture. You're looking to acquire this business that you are managing at this point. Um, how, how's that going? How are you doing with that? It's tough right now. It's hard to, I mean, in the current climate, it's, uh, it's been really tough. It, we've had a, a good year. We're doing okay. Um, but it's, it's tough, and it's, it's hard to think about buying something, you know, in this, in this climate. But it's good. Everything is, is great. I mean, we're working twice as hard for half the business, which is what we need to do right now. Mm-hmm. We need to be there to support. We do a lot of, of stuff with schools, and we need to be there to support them and, and give them help give them um, tools that they need to be successful and to keep these students playing in, in band and orchestra. Um, there's a lot of students that have left it because during the pandemic, it's hard to play music when you can't be together, you know, it's a, a lot of individual practice. It's like hitting the tennis ball against the wall, you know, I, and you're just sitting there and you get sick of doing that at some point, you need that interaction with others. And so it's been tough. It's I, been tough. I love your perspective. Uh, this is something that is very important, you know, from a clinician's perspective, it's patient first, patient first. And from what I'm noticing from you, it's student first, student first, student first, which is so refreshing uh, to see that, especially from another uh, uh, profession. But as far as like you're concerned, I know you want you have wanted to acquire this business for qu- quite some time. Yeah, is it still worth it to you? Because you do a lot of other things just to basically keep up with the Joneses as it is now. Are you still looking to acquire the it, business? It absolutely is. Yeah, that's your end game, right? That's a dream. That's a no, dream that's not the end game. That's no. just kind of the next step, right? Well, you've had this dream since, I mean, you had this dream in college, man. I think even in, at the end of high school, you had yeah, this dream. Yeah, to own the, the store, sure. But it, the, the goal is to encourage and support music education because I think I've really had a great experience and it's been a really positive influence in my life. And I think it can be for a lot of students. I think it, it can be for a lot of people. It comes back to the different, we're all different. We're yeah. all we're all different. We have different interests. We have different experiences, and I I think music particularly has benefited me 
and I, I think it can a lot of people. So that's yeah. what I'm fighting for is to for that. And I think the store is just a step along the way that we sure. can we can get to that goal. Yeah, you made me think about uh, that step, you know, because there was a time I was a theater person. I wanted to do acting. I was interested in directing. I wrote, um, which I still need to finish my, my writings. I, I still have those ideas. Uh, those <laughs> wacky, crazy ideas. But um, I rem- do you remember when we were kids and I would say to you, man, let's, let's own a theater. Yeah. You do the music. I'll do the plays. Yeah. And we can have an art gallery. And I don't even know if you know this part, but I used to like dream about this. I still kind of do sometimes. I wanted to have, uh, this is going to be interesting for you. I wanted to have like an art gallery where you could educate people from all different sects of art, sculpting, painting, drawing, sketching, um, just everything, acting, whatnot, music, have a theater and run the theater and I wanted Todd to be a part of that so bad. Like, I, I you know, and I even tried to pull Grant into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't know what he would do. Grant's but, on drums. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like a gorilla on the drums. He's just like, boom, boom, boom. He'll play for bananas. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, at that point, I was like, listen, man, we'll, we'll raise money. We'll take a portion of that money. And uh, kind of similar to the podcast, I wanted to use that money to support the homeless and have like, uh, no chance. Do you remember this? I remember this. Yeah. A no chance homeless uh, uh, hotel, where is a giant hotel where you bring in the homeless. They have a place to stay. They have to they have to cook for themselves, feed for themselves. You provide them with resources the best you can, um, but they're all taking care of each other, and they have their own room. They get some clothing. They have a certain period of time. I think we were at the time was thinking three to six months. Mm-hmm. of maybe even up to a year to live in this facility and to uh, help them with resume development, getting uh, acquiring skills for a job, going on job interviews, acquiring a job. And mm-hmm. then they could stay you know, a couple more months to acquire some money, help them get an, uh, an apartment, a place to live. So now they're on their feet and they have a, a few bucks in their pocket. And then for whatever reason, if they uh, lost sight because of drug addiction or something happened to them and they became homeless again, they were they could come back. And the the theater and the art gallery and the uh, the lessons and the music was going to support that. That's what, that was a dream of mine as a kid. And you just made me think about that. And I was like, man, we're too we're way old, you know. Now it's not even ever happened. Reality at some point comes into play. Oh. But, but the dream is still there. And I mean the I think the the idea of that may change a little bit. You know, yeah, but, I mean that's an idealistic I'm an idealistic person as well as a literal yeah. person, but that was something that I really wanted to say, listen, no matter no matter your struggles, if you couldn't if you are homeless and you want to get out of that situation Stay in this hotel for free, but we'll give you the resources, but you're going to have to cook for your fellow homeless. You're going to have to help, you know, do some seamstress work. As a community, get into a position where you can get out. That is a good idea, and that is a a big part of, of getting yourself back on your feet is once you've got your feet on the ground, start helping other people right. from the same situation to get themselves back on their feet. And the more you help the others, the more you grow yourself and do better and better and better. Yeah. Everyone needs help, right? 
we all need help and and some more than others even even the president of the united states everyone needs help and you get help along the way and i think that was one of the things as we were growing up and such good friends as we knew that we had help yeah we knew there was somebody there to help us and yeah and i think that's what your goal was was to help and yeah and realize that these homeless folks they need help and and sometimes it doesn't work out but that doesn't mean you stop trying to help and you stop trying to to make things better that's the uh democratic socialist in me i guess the idealistic perspective because i I think people i think that's the not the i social i think that's like the nice thing is to put yourself in their perspective right and if i was in that however we got there However, this person ended up where they're at. Sometimes you need. Let's not judge help. them. Let's sometimes give them. You need a, a little yeah. help, and, right. and sometimes you need to make make it happen for yourself too by putting in the hard work and doing right. those those things. But that hand, that outstretched hand, saying, "Hey, somebody, somebody's here to help. Yeah. I'm here to help you." Yeah, we're all on the same yeah. damn team. We're all yeah. Americans, man. Like, yeah. like Joe Rogan says, you know, he's like, "Where the team is as good as their." Weakest link, weakest or they're they're right. they're losers. Let's let's make the losers winners. Yeah, you know it's we're doing it for each other, and it just makes us all better. Right. Anyway, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> I can go down that all day. Um, but anyway, let's go back to the idea of nutrition, and we're talking about you know being challenging and difficult and refuting things. But how long? And even to this day, you know, I, I went through, you know, getting, you know, my master's in nutrition and becoming a registered dietitian, all the literature, plant strong, plant strong. High, you need to have a carbohydrate-based diet. 70, 80% of your calories need to come from carbohydrates. Low fat, low sodium. So you're talking 10, 15% of your calories from fat, right? We see people doing that. It's not working. It may work for some people. Um, and this is where I think nutrigenomics will eventually take the uh, take the lead, uh, but we don't have equipment that's sensitive enough for that yet. But it's not working, and so from that perspective, you've been down that road where you tried plant strong, plant strong, everything other than just veganism and vegetarianism, mm-hmm. and then, you know, this is the question. This is the this is my my point. You know, eventually you just say you know some of the literature from my perspective as an RD. And you ask the question, is it really beneficial? And then when you talk to those individuals and they say, yeah, and then you ask another question and they they have a hard time answering that question, you ask another question, that's when their dogma comes into play because now you're challenging their dogma or their perspective and they can't answer the question. And instead of saying, I don't know, or let's find out, it's, no, it has to be this way. Now you're labeled as a difficult, challenging person. And you've gone through a different perspective in nutrition. Um, would you mind talking about what took you there and how you went there and all that? Um, it's about probably about 10 years ago, uh, I started having back trouble and excruciating pain in my lower back. And, um, and I... I knew why I was I was obese. I was huge. I was inactive. I wasn't moving. I wasn't. I would get off of work. I'd go eat a piece of a, a whole pizza, 
and sit in a chair and watch TV, go to bed and do it all over again. I knew why it was that way. I was just making excuses as to, you know, not yet. I'm not going to change yet. Yeah, I think that was like the heaviest I'd ever, we've yeah. ever seen. And it was a picture um, that I saw from a, a friend's bachelor party. And we were at a, at a football game. And there was a picture of five of us. <laughs> and I took up like half the freaking picture. And, and it, was, it was one of those moments where I said, you know, enough. I've got to do something. I don't know what the answer is, but I know what I'm doing isn't working. And, and so I tried paleo at this time. This it, was paleo was this really is, getting popular. This is the mind, to remind our audience, at this time, I am getting my master's in nutrition. Yeah. And instead of turning to me and asking me any questions, which was would have been the worst choice, by the way, mm-hmm. because at that point, you know, I'm I'm looking at what they're teaching me: plant strong, plant strong, high carbohydrate, high carbohydrate based diet. They're not talking about the uh, um, homogeneous effects of our monocrops. They're not talking about lectins. They're not talking about phytochemicals or or glycophosphate. They're not talking about any of that. Just saying, get on a low fat low-protein, high-carbohydrate-based diet. And so instead of reaching out to me, you went out onto your own and looked in the paleo. So go ahead. Yeah, well, part of, part of it was just common sense to me. You know, I'm eating this manufactured food that I don't know what's in it. I don't know where it's coming from. I, don't, I, I had never read a label in my life. And I, I ended up reading, I had a friend that had done this and had seen some real success. And he said, hey, just read this book. Read this book. It starts with food. And, um, and it's really the basis of, of the paleo diet. I don't remember who wrote it, Dallas and Melissa Harwork or something like that. And so I read it and they were talking about me. It was me that they were talking about in this book. We've made excuses all this time, and we're suffering from inflammation. We're suffering from all this ailment, and it's what we eat. And whether you believe it to be paleo or whatever, it's, it's what we eat. And at that time, um, it made sense to me. Vegetables and protein and no carbohydrates and, and no processed foods. Read the labels. If it has sugar in it, avoid it. Don't eat it. And for me, it was that structure, you know, more than the diet itself, more than the lifestyle itself. It was the fact that it forced me to meal plan. It forced me to think about what I was putting in my mouth. It forced me to read labels on the shelves and not just take somebody's word for it. Yeah. You got really into it. You started paying attention. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's what really kind of led me to it. And at that time, I was really motivated because I was in pain. I was having back trouble. I was on my way to immobility. Uh, and so I was pre-diabetic and all of these things that were stacking up against me. And, and I had to make a change. I had to do something different. And so what and happened after, what you, after you did it, when you were on it? I lost 135 pounds in, in nine months, nine and a half months. And you looked great, and you started exercising more, too. I th- and that's where, that's where I think a lot of this stuff, and we were talking about stretching, is it's not just one thing. Right. It's not this is the, the solution to your problem. It's not. The solution is 
all of these different things. It's exercise. It's what you eat. It's uh, how much you eat. It's there's a lot of different it's your variables. Sleep, your it's sleep. Your stress, it's yep. your yeah. There's all these variables that go into it. It's not, if you're looking for a one uh, one solution to to fix all your problems, that's not the case. Whether it's in music, whether it's in diet, whether it's in right. sports, whether it's in anything, there's multi factors. There's a lot of different factors that go into what make us us. And at that point, you were living the American dream. You had just graduated college. Yeah. You had a full-time job. You had multiple jobs because yeah. you, you were doing multiple things at the time. Yeah. You would work all day. And when I say work all day, I mean he's working from like 8 a.m. until like 9 o'clock at night. So that's where you would go and say, hey, I'm just going to get something on the go. You're not cooking for yourself. Yeah. You're not thinking about what kind of drinks you're having. Are you having water? Are you having coffee? Are you, are you having soda and coffee? Well, and, and at that time, juice. it was a social thing, too. So mm-hmm. I'm drinking a lot. Drinking, I'm drinking you're smoking a lot of alcohol. Yeah. Because you're stressed out. And then you weren't sleeping, right? You'd come home, got to unwind from work a little bit, right? Yeah. So you stay up. You go to bed, you get only a few, you know, you get, you probably got more than six hours, but you probably didn't get yeah, eight or nine Yeah, it was right hours. around six hours. Yeah. yeah. So you're not getting eight or nine, which we now know that if you're not sleeping, you're just going to gain more weight and you're yeah. going to promote that inflammation in your body. All right. And you're eating foods and animal. You're not only eating pro-inflammatory foods, but you're also eating animals that are also undergoing the similar thing. We don't talk about how we treat our animals in factory farming. But those animals are going through a similar process where they have poor microbiome health and they are going through an inflammatory cycle as well. And that's why when you compare the nutrients between a factory farm animal versus a a regenerative farm animal or a wild animal, the nutrient density is so radically different. Yeah, that's where kind of when I started hearing about the organic uh, farming and the, the organic Processes. Not just hearing, you were learning, learning you were about educating it, yeah. yourself. Yeah, and you did great. Yeah, well, and then and then it just is. Uh, it's always a struggle, and it always takes effort. You, right. you never stop learning. You never stop growing, and uh, and, so and so right now I'm kind of off the wagon, and I'm eating anything that I yeah. see, and it's stress eating. It's and you're still in the rat race. Yeah, but but let's take a step back. Like you and I, we didn't eat that much different when we were in high school and college. Yeah. What do you think the difference is as far as the, uh, and how you react to food versus my reaction to food? Because I think it's sensitivity. I think you're probably a little bit more sensitive to certain foods more so than I am. It's not that you can't eat them, but I think your body reacts to them a little differently. I think it's, I think it's a lot of things. It, it, you know, it's not a, a one-size-fits-all. The, the way I rely on food as an emotional support. And when I have a stressful day, I go home and I can eat a whole box of crackers or something. Do you go through a pint of ice cream while you cry? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I just want somebody to to hold me. Yeah, no, but it's a reliance and it's a habit. And, and, and you're making these habits and, and. But I think, I think too, that there's different, (laughs) this is the perspective of nutrigenomics or, nutrition and genetics you know there are commonalities between ethnicities however everybody requires a different uh stimulus nutritionally yeah for the genetics and you can and we talked about this before you can suppress genetics or you can you can amplify genetics you can amplify your genetic expression positively or negatively just based on what you do and nutrition does that okay so 
for you, you might be a little bit more sensitive to gluten or carbohydrate than I am. You know, that's why most of the world is lactose intolerant. But if you're of Irish descent, 90% of the Irish, or I think it might be a little bit higher, more than 90% of the Irish are lactose tolerant. And, and that's a, that just tells you that there's differences there. You know, so I think that's I think that's one of the differences between you and I as well. Right, but genetics. Part of my thought here is that genetics can also be affected by what you eat. And you well, that's what to, I mean. Yeah, you go to these different areas of the world, and their diet is different. There's a reason why you go to Southeast Asia, and the lifespan is much longer. The suffrage from cancer and all of these things there's different or in the greek isles or whatever and their diet is olive oil you know you have these right. different diets and but so, you look at the netherlands and they're bigger and they're stronger and they're tall and they live just as long you know so you're right though we're talking about if you are of southeastern uh, uh south asian descent you're probably going to be better off on a plant strong diet but if you're of northeastern northwestern european descent you're probably not going to do too well on a on a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet. You probably need a little bit more protein. We talked about it at work today, or, or this week. They're staples. You know what a staple is in your diet? Yeah. Yeah. A staple is a common food that most cultures share from culture to culture. Yeah. One of the most common staples in the diet is fish. But how many people frequently eat fish? And then how many people are void or deficient? And omega-3s and omega-6s and omega-9s. Okay, how many people are deficient in D, vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin... We did a podcast on vitamin A. If you notice, the deficiencies from vitamin A were far more consequential and more, there were more, def- more deficiency-related issues than toxicity issues. And again, vitamin A comes from the best sources, comes from animal products. Now, for you, that's probably more appropriate. But if you were... You know, from Japan, you probably would be better off on a different type of diet. Yeah. That's well, fine. I mean, is some of that is some of that evolution? Is that an evolutionary thing? Do you think that people in Sweden have evolved more or less than somebody in I Southeast think so. Asia? I think I think there <clears throat> is. I think we're starting to understand more and more about genetics and how genetics affect you. I mean, they're going to the part they're Genetics is so impactful, and it's not just genetics. It is environment as well. But genetics is so impactful that they're even talking about how genetics uh, manipulates one's so thought free will. That's a different talk for another day. But there's people that are basically saying there is no such thing as free will. And if you look at your genetics, you'll understand why you make the decisions that you make. So are you? do you really have free will? But... That's as far as gen- genetics is going everywhere. Yeah. It's really incredible to see our understanding of genetics. So, yeah, I do. And I think now we also understand that, you know, um, Homo sapiens, you know, uh, messed around and got a little crazy with Neanderthals. And if you have a higher percentage of Neanderthal DNA, you're going to be affected by COVID a little differently than you would from somebody who's purely Homo sapien. So, I think there's differences there, and we have to respect those differences, and I think we need to learn to understand them. And then after that, we need to start to apply our nutrition a little differently. And right now, the American diet is a commercial, homogenized, um, corporate-controlled market. Yeah. You know? Big differences. And, And, you know, for you, you had... Do you want to speak to your lifestyle a little bit? It's kind of similar to Todd's. Todd, yeah, it's now, very similar. Now, Todd, uh, to go back here, 
Todd, you fell in love. You lost all that weight. You finally land the chick. Probably, you know, she, she thought you were hot. She still does. And uh, if you like it, you got to put a ring on it, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, fell in love, got back into the rat race, fell off the paleo wagon, and now, <laughs> well, you're not as big as you were before. No. Which is great. But you know what you have to do. The struggle is real, man. That's, That's like right. ad- adulting is hard. Right? And once you fall off that wagon, damn, yeah, it's, it's that thing is fast. On. It's hard to get back it's on. It's habits. Right? It's all about mm-hmm. habits I'm finding. But you can speak so, to that yeah. too because you we talk about that yeah. too with ice cream and shit like that. Yeah. So two, two, over two years ago, um, pro- actually well over two years damn. ago, I would say. Already? Um, it's probably been closer <laughs> to like, I mean, if we want to go back, back. Like back to when it, it started, I think first when I had went to the doctor, I was having some pain and it was, and, and it was like, man, I, I, so he's like, I don't know what it is. Let's do a CAT scan of your abdomen, um, or abdomen. Uh, and so we did. And he's like, Hmm, well, don't know what you're having this pain for, and but it looks like you've got a little scarring on your pancreas. I think you have chronic pancreatitis. Um, so I was like, okay, what does that mean? And he said, well, you know, it, it, at the time I was drinking, and he wanted me to stop drinking. He said, you have to stop drinking. I mean, even a drop of alcohol can be toxic. I thought, okay. So I did, at that time, stop drinking. And um, I did ask this doctor. I, I remember saying, well, what should I, What? okay, so what else should I do? And he just hammered that drinking thing into me, which was like, okay, that's great. Um, but he didn't give me any dietary advice, um, anything like that. Uh, I looked into, okay, what should I expect with, with pancreatitis? And it was, you know, possible pain, um, increased sugar or the use of insulin, diabetes. That whole thing was kind of uh, an issue. Well, year two, two, three years down the road is okay. Um, I ended up, I did start drinking again, but I didn't change any diets at the time or any, any intakes there. And I was overweight at the time, about, put about 195, 192, and eventually closer to 200. And finally, the, the sugar caught up, and the doctor started saying, your, your sugar's a little high, your sugar's a little high. Got me into a specialist, and she says, "Okay, well, you're pre-diabetic, so that was that was a little bit of a warning and a wake-up call to start doing a little more diet and exercise." Now, coming into that visit with that doctor, um, I think I just stopped drinking again, um, and thought, "Okay, well, this that's a big change. That was a big change for me." Um, <clears throat> this time I kind of resounded to not actually just stop for a period of time, but to stop for good. And I had gone three months and saw the doctor again. And she said, okay, well, did you start diet and exercise? I said, yeah. She said, okay, well, your sugars are about the same. I think I want you to go on insulin. Okay. No, no, I don't, I don't accept that. I'm not going to do that. Like let's, I, I, so I've been exercising twice a week or once a week, but I might've skipped last week. <laughs> And the diet, like I haven't had any alcohol and I haven't had any Cokes or, 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 you know, um, sodas, sugar drinks. Cause I felt like that was a big, big, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me, that I forgot. No, I was drinking more sugar drinks because I didn't have the alcohol. So I thought diet, diet, um, it's not a diet, root beer and Mountain Dew 
would be okay. And coffee with sugar. Like, because, you know, coffee, sugar, cream was delicious. Um, so I said, okay, that that point, now I want to get serious about the sugar. Cut out the, the sugary drinks. That was, a pr- I think, a pretty big one. Um, cut out the sugar and the coffee. Just do coffee with a little bit of the flavored creamers because they're, they're five grams. Turns out that's the same as a packet of sugar, but I didn't need to put four packets or four <laughs> tablespoons or whatever the thing is in there to make it worth it. Um, and then started a diet and exercise. So I, I looked at and went to a diabetic counselor, diabetic diet counselor, and she's taught me how to read labels. Um, she says, look at the, the total carbohydrates. You want your meals to be maybe 70, 70 carbohydrates per meal. That's 15 per portion of food that you have. Um, we talked about the protein portions, the vegetable portions, and then the actual starchy portions and make those starchies minimal. Did, did they talk about the frequency of nutrition too, of eating frequently throughout the day to control your blood sugar? She probably did. I have, I can't, I don't know if I still have the, the, the full, I say pamphlet, but it was more like a folder that folded right. out like four times. Yeah. I'm familiar with that. Pamphlet. Um, and it did talk probably about the frequency and the blood sugar stabilization through the day. You don't want it going up and down and up and down and crashing and, and, and roller coaster riding. Um, but you know, for me it was, it was as simple as, okay, so look at the labels, see what the carbs are on there. Make sure you're not eating all the processed carbohydrates and or straight sugars or, or, or manipulated sugars and keep it to a more whole food, low, lower carb diet. Um, so I started doing that and increase the exercise frequency. That was, that was more of a, more of a, a gradual process than the foods because the foods you know was was not as gradual just dropped dropped the alcohol then dropped the um <clears throat> the sodas then dropped the desserts so it was a little gradual but you know by doing that i just had to find substitutes at that point okay so what was i going to do for a dessert like if <laughs> i really wanted something sugary what can i do now i love peanut butter and uh, i love honey and those two things are yeah, honey's natural as it can get. Farmers market honey, get some of that, and I can eat that on on you know straight from the bottle, but or with the <laughs> peanut butter, yeah. um, <laughs> like so, a like a to- like a baby. Yeah, yeah. So I've been mean, using that at night after after dinner, after a good healthy dinner was was a way to curb my desire for that sweet ice cream or whatever other desserts that I wanted to have. But um, and it was it was a few months later, um, probably. I must have gone back to the doctor in three months and was lighter, and she wasn't convinced yet. She's still saying, I think I still want you to take this medication. Six months or whatever, the next time I was, I'm like 20, 30 pounds lighter, and now my sugars had made a change. Now, and that was around also the time after I started lifting weights as part of my workouts. Like I was doing the two or three days a week, but mm-hmm. I, was, I, was, I wasn't like like doing squats and deadlifts, like really working on my legs, my big muscles. And, Which is um, crazy because you're in the field. Yeah. And you know, and yeah. you know that, hey, two days a week is really not mm-hmm. enough. You mm-hmm. know? I, I was afforded the opportunity to get to the gym early in the morning before work too. Um, that, that started, and it was almost a habit of necessity that I was there as early as I was. And then when that changed, I was able to, then, I, then it was on me. It was like, okay. I've started this habit. Now, am I going to keep it? And I, I don't know if it was I had just done it long enough 
or I had established the more than the 30, it was like a six month type. I was, I was getting there and doing it. And then it was like, okay, well it's in, I'm doing it. And I also, I like working out and I like exercise. I like that when I was in school, high school, playing football, like, and I always had this desire to, to want more. I want to do more. I want to do harder. I want to look better. I want to be faster. Like, you know, when I get into something, like we talked about earlier, I want to be better, faster. And I want more, 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 more. That's why I had to stop drinking the alcohol because <laughs> I wanted always more. I wanted to drink all of them or show you how fast I could drink them. And, yeah. you know, so, but it, so exercise hit me like that. Once I started doing it more and more, then it really took over into, yeah, no, I want to do this. I want to be doing this, this, this. It actually, it actually kind of took the place of tennis um, mm-hmm. after a while. Now, now COVID also helped shut down some of the tennis leagues I was in, but um, now I'm, I'm getting back to playing a little bit. But anyhow, putting, putting in that lower carb, I kept it at like 45 to 55 carbs per meal. Most of them were, was like cauliflower and whatever vegetable I was having there. Um, every now and then sweet potatoes, squash I love is, is great. You know, any, any of the squashes, um, I think are, I use them for the noodles. Yeah. Zucchini, like, um, uh, sp- z- uh, what is it? Sp- spaghetti squash yeah. and zucchini noodles. Zuc- yeah. Use like, it for spaghetti. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's great. Riced cauliflower. There's my rice. Yeah. Cause you just, you need those. I needed those kind of things. Like I said, to substitute. For the, the stuff that I wasn't going to have, which was the spaghetti pasta and the rice fillers of the meals that we were putting our potential proteins and vegetables on, um, or just going with a huge roll of rice, because I love rice. Like, yeah. I could eat that with soy sauce, butter, salt, like, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> just a big bowl of it, you know. Um, but yeah, it, and it was three, three, four months in of, of the dieting and the exercise uptake that the pounds started to really fall off and the sugars leveled or stabilized um the mood at the same time was also significantly different i was also i I took a a a spiritual approach to the mood the mood as well some of the mood and behavioral changes that i was trying to make so you know it was like you said earlier it wasn't just one thing it was this Mm -hmm. whole combination of things that i put together to, to make this change but you make one change and then you feel good. Yeah. And you make another change. And it's uh-huh. like a dom it's like dominoes. And then vice versa, once you relapse, it's like another domino. Another he, they domino. said something in the the it starts with food book that really kind of resonated with me. It said, I've never felt guilty about not eating something. Right. And if if I could pass on that piece of cake. No, fuck that. I'm always guilty. I know, right? I'm like, so, no. And so it's it for me it was creating this habit. I needed mm-hmm. to create good habits. And if my habit was to come home and go for a walk or go exercise yes. or go do something, I'm creating a good habit. And I do this in my music stuff too as in my teaching and stuff. We need to develop good habits. If we're if we're practicing the wrong right. habit over and over again, and expecting a different result, it's insanity, right? Yeah. And so we need to develop these good habits, whether it be in exercise, whether it be in work or in practice or anything we do in life. Yeah. The habit is important. And it's not, it, it seems, when you're on the other side of the fence, it seems difficult, it seems hard. But once you start doing it, it's not that hard. It isn't. It, it kind of, Like you said, it snowballs, and you start to make other changes. And the great thing is, 
you feel amazing. Yeah. You, you, you say to yourself, what have I been doing? It's mm-hmm. more pride. Yeah. I was and, proud of myself. But you don't, was, you don't realize was, how bad you felt. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and then, but when you relapse, again, it's so subtle and it's so sneaky that even then you're like, I, oh, I'm feeling like shit again. But you still don't realize how much right. you feel like shit. But anyway, to go back to you, you, you lost <laughs> 40 pounds. Shut up, Todd. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to go back to you, you lost 40 pounds. Dropped 40 pounds. You look yep. great. And now you're a hand model. Yeah. It's true. Show your beautiful digits to the Yeah, to, to the, the cartoon. To the cartoon. Oh, yeah. uh, Those are wow. sexy. That's incredible. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, the, the nice mitts, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So He's like George Costanza. He has to wear oven mitts to work. You know? No manual therapy for you. You can't no. do it. Reminds me of that commercial on TV now. Your wayward pinky. (laughs) (laughs) You have the upper hand. (laughs) No, no, he's got beautiful fingers. He doesn't nail bite at all. He massages all day long. It's soft as a pillow. Well, I wouldn't know that. I'm I'm a little little concerned about all the knowledge you have with his hands. I don't really know. I'm just assuming. But nevertheless, I'm a little jealous because I can't model for shit. Yeah. So... Good I mean, for you. That, that is all so grossly wrong. I bite my nails. My hands are dry as can be. I've got splits on almost every finger. Three out of these five. I was noticing that this morning. God damn it. I was like, man, my hands yeah. God damn it, and fuck you. This is <laughs> why people hate Tom Brady. A good-looking guy who plays football, worth millions of dollars, has children, married to a supermodel who's still sexy at her age, and she's his sugar mama. Give me a fucking break. I love you, Tom. I, I'm a big Buccaneer fan, so I, I want to keep you on the team. But this is exactly why people hate you, Joe. It's because you got beautiful hands and you don't do anything for them. I don't think that many people hate me. You're like the... <laughs> Damn. I do. I do. You're like the skinny girl who just shoves that cake in her face and can't gain weight. Mm. Yeah. I don't think so. Mm. You did have lovely locks, too. You cut it off recently. Yeah, you know, gonna donate yeah. the the braids, the the locks to the kids. It's yeah, I think sweet. I think I'm gonna take them or or give them to wigs for kids. That's really nice. I heard that's a, a good charity where they act, they make the wigs and give them away. But that hates um, me. That makes me hate you even more, because you're benevolent with your hair and you have hair. And unlike me, it's the have hair part. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's the have hair. I don't even have yeah, hair to give myself. I had in this, <laughs> right? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Thank you. That was a that was a hand modeling gesture, just yeah. so you know. It's just it's a skill you have to have. That middle finger is grotesque. Yes. Right? Okay. Well, I think th- those are great stories. So I I guess, you know, I probably should tell you my story. You know it a little bit, but I really haven't talked about it too much. You know, I went through the education, I got the minutiae, I studied hard, like a fucking fiend. And you know, most of the time when we grew up as kids, I was skinny as shit. And, you know, kids made a big deal. They pick on you a little bit. And, you know, you just get tired of being skinny. And so I purposely gained weight because I want, remember? The joke was I got 50 pounds to gain before I start cutting up. That's right. That's 50 pounds. You don't know shit about vitamin B6. I got 50 pounds to gain before I cut up. And that was the idea at the time is that, you know, I exercised like a, like a maniac. I was a track and I was in cross country. And I was just tired of being skinny. And, and small, you know, kids, they fuck with you when you're small. And I'm like that chihuahua. I had the bark. Whereas Grant, 
you know, it's a fucking big guy, you know. And this is a funny story. We're in high school, senior year. Grant's a junior. He's, he's big. He's just big, okay? He looks like um, a bigger version of Vin Diesel. And, uh, I, you know, one day we're walking. We go to go inside the building from the cafeteria, and this kid comes out the door and sees me, kind of like bumps me, you know, simultaneously. And he just looks down at me. He's like, what the fuck are you looking at? Right, and I'm like motherfucker, you know, <laughs> and you know, you know, squirt. Yeah, I was pissed off, you know, and then so whatever, what it, it is, what it is. So then the next day, the same thing happened. Only this time, Grant is now in front of me. So it happens to Grant, and the guy comes through the door. Same motherfucker looks at him and goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, bro," and just like steps to the side and walks away. Well, you were like the little terrier that nips at people's ankles. But I had to be. <laughs> I had to be because I was a scrawny little punk. <laughs> you- but anyway, you're, you know, if I knew then what I know now, it'd be a different story. But, you know, so now I'm like talking to people who you think know about nutrition. You're learning about nutrition. You're learning about exercise. You're learning about sport. And the, the, the prevailing thought was you had to gain weight. No matter how, how you gain weight, just gain weight. And then you want to cut down and lose weight. So I remember one guy saying, oh, eat, the, eat those uh, Tostino's pizzas, like two of them before you go to bed. You know, because you'll turn that fat into muscle. Well, that's bullshit. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. That's a lot of bullshit. And then studying nutrition, um, I, well, when I was studying nutrition, it was plant strong, plant strong, plant strong, plant strong. So I was pretty close to being vegetarian. I, I think you could qualify me as vegetarian. And I know I've told you before, you don't need that much meat. You don't have to have that much protein. You have a lot more plants. And I was practicing that. I was eating plants out my ass. Farting every day, taking shits no, four or five times a day. Out of your ass. <laughs> oh my! It, but that's what happens, and you you know yeah. you're, you're comf- uncomfortable, you're bloated. Started to gain a little bit of weight. I'm still exercising, you know, three, four, five times a week, you know, and I'm doing two days because I didn't have a life. Yeah, but you were running cross country, so it wasn't like you were just doing some cardio. You were right. doing long distance training. Right, which is one of the reasons why I was able to. I couldn't see a big change in my body at that time. Yeah. And then in PT school. Um, I'm still pushing that plant strong shit and, uh, I'm trying to eat, you know, and at that point I said, listen, this, the studying is so intense and I want to get everything I can out of this. I'm going to, I'm going to, for the next year, I'm going to stop exercising. I'm going to spend all my time studying. And this is the analytical part. I was, I felt guilty about getting on a bike or a treadmill and exercising when I could be, when I, when I'm trying to study, I couldn't really concentrate on the studies if I was biking. I couldn't work out because that was an hour of time where I was working out and not studying. You understand me a little bit better over there? So I was studying, and I was busting my ass, and it wasn't appreciated by any of the professors or even my classmates. Um, you know, n- anyway. So I gained weight. I blew up. Like, I got really heavy. And even then, I wasn't as heavy as I, wa- as I was. And I was like, well, maybe it's because I'm not eating enough plants. Maybe it's because I'm not training enough. Well, that's, that last year in PT school, you know, towards the end, uh, I, w- I could ease up on the studying a little bit because I'm about to graduate and I'm about to take my boards. So my son's born, you know, that, you know, that, that, that time we looked at the pregnancy test and go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I pulled out. Um, Oops. Yeah, no, Brandon's, yeah, no, not an oops. Greatest thing that ever, greatest oops that ever happened in my life. That's it. But, uh, you know, and I really underestimated parenthood. I had no idea 
you and you really don't have any idea of what life is like as a parent versus a single person until you go through it. Like none at all. And so at that point, time is and I was never good at time management. Time is now scrunched. I can't play tennis as much as I used as I wanted to. I can't I couldn't do those two days anymore. You know, working out for two to four hours a day, five days a week. Can't do that anymore. And now I'm working. So I'm in that rat race with you. I'm getting up and I had to commute two hours a day. Okay, to go to go to work. So two hours on the road. I'm working eight to ten hours a day, you know, uh, in our profession, that's not uncommon, right? Eight to ten hours a day, and I'm trying to exercise, but I'm not finding time. And I'm gaining weight. I'm still gaining weight. I don't understand why I'm gaining weight. We move, same thing, you know. I'm thinking that it's because I'm not, I'm not eating enough plants. It's because I'm not exercising enough. I get into, I'm not being consistent. So now I'm consistent for like two years. And all that crap that you were going through at the time, I was looking at the literature. There wasn't a lot of literature on paleo. It was all narrative reviews or literature reviews, which doesn't mean shit or commentaries. Those are just people's opinions. Yeah, They're not legitimate research, not high-quality research. And so I'm, I'm like, well, you know, there's no evidence. And, I'm, I, and that's why I wouldn't have been of help to you at all because I'm brainwashed. I'm dogmatic. Everybody's got to be plant strong. Everybody, right? And so talking with you and Micah and, and, and Paul and Josh, and they're going keto, and they're talking about literature and research, and I'm like, I'm looking at that literature and research. There's not a lot of literature and research on this. It doesn't make sense. So I'm, I'm not trying to be critical, and I'm not trying to question you guys, but I'm also looking at it from an empirical perspective. Meanwhile, I'm looking at myself, and I'm saying to myself, I'm training for two years consistently, four or five days a week. I'm running three to five miles a day. I'm lifting, you know, on top of that as well. And I'm, and I'm very plant strong. Why is this not working? And I'm having the frequent six meals a day. I'm drinking water. I'm staying away from, like, sugars and beer and alcohol. You, you've seen me drink. Mm. You both have. I'm not a big drinker. Like a bird. That's right. <laughs> you you I've feel had, like it's a challenge. I've had to clean up after you're drinking. Like, what do you you left, you left a whole beer. Sometimes no, no, don't give it back. Give it here. Sometimes you would clean up while I was drinking. You know, <laughs> but like it didn't make any sense. Like, why am I gaining weight? Why am I feeling like shit? You know, and you're told those four or five shits that you're taking every day. That's normal. That's good for you. You know, and I'm like, is it? Like, it just something happened where I'm like. I'm thinking about nutrition the way I thought about physical therapy. Well, okay. Rocco apparently does not agree. He did not like that. He's pissed I'm off. Sorry, He's like, "Listen, buddy. look at my food dish, asshole." You know. It's like this is a lame story. Let's move <laughs> right. on. He's like, "I can't take this shit." I'm going to get some ice cream. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "What the fuck is wrong with me? Like, I don't get it. And how can I be a practitioner, a physical therapist?" And help people with nutrition. And, and to be honest with you, I can't be as holistic as I want to be with people because I don't have the time. But also, maybe I don't have the knowledge base, you know? And I don't want to be that, that physician who's, who's a pulmonologist but smokes. I don't want to be the, uh, the cardiologist who is fat and overweight and dying from a heart attack. But I'm on this PT. I'm, I'm, I'm this PT who's trying his best to stay active and eat well, and I'm gaining weight. And I don't look the part and I'm stressed out I'm not sleeping 
And it just gradually started to occur to me, I need to look at it from a different perspective. Um, I need to go back into the literature and I need to start asking more questions. And I need to think outside of the box like I would with physical therapy. And so at that point, I realized maybe plant strong isn't appropriate for everybody. And there's more and more data coming out. And as I was able to read more and more empirical evidence that started to show that is now showing that cholesterol is not a bad thing. That, you know, for you, you might be able to handle wheat, whereas me, I can't handle wheat. Um, maybe uh, and one clinician who's from Cuba can handle sugar better than somebody who's from Ireland. And so once I started to understand that and see that literature, then it was a matter, a matter of, okay, let's try it for yourself. And it's an amazing transformation. You lose weight, and, and for me, it was very gradual. It wasn't like overnight. Very gradual, like you guys have said before. All of a sudden, you feel like there's a spring in your step. And I remember leaving work, and I wanted to run in the car. And I felt like I did, like I was 20 years younger. I could just spring and go. Not out of breath, just effortless. And it's, it was amazing. Then I started playing around. I was like, well, I'm going to reintroduce some grains into my diet because I cut out grains. And then, like, within, like, one day or two days, I was on a weekend, you know, have a cheat day. I have some grains, and all of a sudden, I'm 10, 15 pounds heavier. And we've talked about that. Like, yeah. it's amazing. All of a sudden, and then you feel like absolute shit afterwards. You love it at the time. You're like, oh, good, finally. And then right afterwards, you're like, what the hell? I'm 15 pounds heavier. And you're just, you feel like crap. Did anything else change in your diet other than just adding those grains? Were no. You, were you adding I other went, stuff, ice cream and I and went stuff? to the exact opposite end of the spectrum. I went more towards the carnivorous perspective where I basically said, I'm going to cut out all plants and I'm going to do the things that I'm taught that were bad for you. So I'm having eggs and bacon. I'm basically drinking bacon, you know, a bacon fat, you know, <laughs> at this point. And I'm listening to uh, Dr. Stephen Gundry about lectin proteins and I'm learning about um, phytic acids, uh, phytic acids. And I'm, and really the biggest perspective that a lot of people don't talk about that we will talk about eventually is seasonal eating. It is not good for your body to expose itself to spinach every single day. There's a time of year that spinach is okay. There's a time of year that apples are okay. But if you're having apples every single day, especially those that are artificially matured, you might be doing your body more harm. There's a reason why animals in the wild don't eat a green apple. They know better. They're not supposed to be as smart as us, but for whatever reason, they know better. You know, Plants, and this is something that was part of my like revelation, was, you know, there's certain plants you just can't eat because it's poisonous. Plants have defense mechanisms. They're, they're, they're creatures, they're life too, that want to just spread its seed. And so they're going to defend themselves. And when I was, I was like, yeah, I knew that all along. Why didn't I think about that? Of course, they're going to have chemical reactions. They're going to cause um, changes in my microbiome. And they're going to affect my, um, my physiology and my anatomy because they don't want to be eaten. And I need to listen to that. And that's why the deer is not eating that green apple at the time that it's budding. I think it, it, for me, it's more of a balance. It's more, you know, a balancing act. And my, 
am I eating what I should? Is Am I eating a balanced diet? Am I eating, you know, I, it, it's not all vegetables or all proteins. Right. It's a balance of those things. And for me, it's balance. And, well, I and don't, I'm struggling with balance right now. I eat way more ice cream and cake. Than I, I, don't dis- I don't disagree else. with you, but I went to the extreme in order to figure out what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you got to experience it. Yeah. Right. And, and see what, how your body handles it. And I, it was amazing. I didn't. I wasn't sleepy in the middle of the day. I didn't feel any crashes. I didn't eat uh, the six meals a day. I would eat like one or two meals a day. And you would think that you'd be more tired. No, I was just the opposite. Everything was the opposite. Felt amazing. Lost weight. I was running faster. Um, lifting heavier. Uh, I wasn't. I was at that time when I was gaining all that weight. You know, as a parent, your kids bring home things. So you're getting sick quite often. And you probably remember this, right? Calling out, having to miss work because my kids are sick or I'm sick. I wasn't doing well. All of a sudden, I go to the opposite end, which is thought to be harmful. Don't do that. Don't have a high-fat diet. Have a high-carbohydrate diet. Well, when I went high-fat, high-protein, I didn't get... I'm, I'm not getting sick. Like, it's a complete different change. And, and my body and everything else. Now, and then I fall off the wagon and I go back to having some, oh, you know, I haven't had ice cream in months. I'll have some ice cream. Pizza. And I'll have a pizza. Pizza. Yeah, my, my wife loves pizza. So, I, yeah, I'll have a bite of pizza. Yeah, blame it have, on her. Yeah, right. Or, or Jimmy problem. John's, Ooh. right? I'll have some bread with my Jimmy John's. And which, by the way, I don't know why they charge you the same fucking price for an unwitch. They, oh, yeah, you get a piece of lettuce instead of a, a roll? Yeah, it's the same price. It should be cheaper than the fucking bread. You know, they're, anyway, that's mine. Well, they're charging like 39 cents for day-old bread. So, I mean, the bread, Still. they're not, they're, they're, so you take the bread off the sandwich, you could, you want to take, what, $2 off the sandwich? Yes, take a dollar or two so off. take a dollar yeah, or two off, different. get the unwitch, and then you buy a 30-cent day-old bread and pop it on the sandwich. The sandwich, there you go. They're marking that price way up. Anyway. I mean, come on, are. man. They buy a head of lettuce, they peel the outer layers off to, to use for the unwitch, and they shred the inner portion, mm-hmm. and, come, Jimmy, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, Jimmy, cut the price down, Okay. But but even still though, you know, you I go back to the carbohydrates like the grains, mainly the grains. I've never thought grains were essential for your diet. Never. That whole bullshit about the grains being essential, I always thought it was bullshit because it doesn't make sense from a naturalistic perspective. That's well, my this is it comes to the seasonal the right. seasonal eating. Well, and from my perspective, I'm always naturalistic. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a very naturalistic person when it comes to physical when it comes to medicine in general. Grains never made a sense in the sense that you have to have, you know, six to eight servings a day of grains. Never made sense to me. If you're out in the wild and you're trying to survive, where are you going to get the the grains? If you don't have animal protein and and fat, you better get the fuck out of there because you're done. You can't be a vegetarian and live on a homestead. It doesn't work. You'd be a vegetarian through the winter. Right, right, yeah. Right. Let's get a couple of vegetarians and or vegans and throw them out there in the middle of the winter at the Arctic on a <clears> alone. <throat> Let's see how that goes. That would be a great show. <laughs> yeah, I History Channel. Like you remember who berries. came over that? Yeah. Right. Try try to survive in the middle of winter on veg on veganism. It's not going to work. So for me, it made sense. And so I use uh, now I'm, I'm I'm balancing my diet mostly through you know meat and vegetables. I don't have a ton of fruits. But it's all seasonal. And, you know, 
it's a different lifestyle, yeah. you know, completely different. The pro- And the problem is, is you get caught up in that rat race, you fall off the bandwagon, and you get caught up in the norm. And the norm is, hey, the more corn you have, the better, you're, the better you'll be. You'll be better off with more wheat. Yeah. Or when, how many times does the CEO for Coca-Cola or Pepsi go in front of Congress and says, you know, a calorie of sugar from Coca-Cola is the same as a calorie of carbohydrate from a piece of broccoli? They literally say that, and people buy that bullshit, and mm-hmm. it is not true at all. That white processed sugar is more harmful than the white processed cocaine that you put in your nose, unless you're putting sugar in your nose. <laughs> it's just as bad. Oh, it's just as bad. Yeah. So I'm where fuck. Joe was a, an hour ago. I'm about to pee on myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what was dripping on the floor. <laughs> well, that's Rocco. So maybe, maybe this is the conclusion of this podcast. <laughs> Todd just pissed on himself. I just pissed on, <laughs> I just pissed on Rocco. Rocco's gonna, Rocco's gonna piss on the next piece of furniture. Let you know who owns this owns motherfucker. This place. <laughs> All right. So, All right. I think it was great having you on. Um, yeah, thanks for the conversation. We're going to have you on on again. Oh, don't tell me that. Yeah, you're, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how many times you piss on yourself. I'm waiting for you to shit on yourself before I call it quits. Well, that, if you keep me much longer, that may happen too. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about that? Not in my house. <laughs> so wait, wait for our new wait for our new studio. Yeah, there you go. I got carpet in there. You yeah. got to be cautious. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take like that fucker dog out. Wiping my butt um. on the carpet, <laughs> scooting along. At that point, at that point, you got worms. Yeah, you sorry. Rethink about that. your diet. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. We're good. Is there anything that you want to say to close or anything like that? I gotta pee real bad. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> pee. All right. All right. So Forrest to make Gump, it thank to you make for it real quick, we're gonna close by saying, uh, of course, we want to say our thank yous to Joe Rogan to. Um, Adam Meekins to Greg Lehman, we want to say thank you to, uh, oh, there's a couple other people. We'll make this quick. The other thing is we want people to remember that if there is any type of like donations made to Patreon or if there's any type of uh, monetization, 25% of those proceeds will go to cystic fibrosis, SMA, spinal muscular atrophy, and the Muscular Dystrophy Association. So if you're donating, even if it's just 10 cents a month, that's going to be very, very helpful for those organizations to help help them with children and adults who are suffering from those conditions. A thousand dollars a month is good too, though. <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever you can do, whatever you can offer. But that money is going to keep the podcast alive and to help the kids and uh, and adult, adults in need from those uh, genetic conditions. <laughs> I just want to see how much longer he cringes. All right, we're out. We're good. We're Peace done. out. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I love you. I'm about to piss all over myself. God, Tell me when, Joe. Going forever. Yeah,